Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. Jesus has ridden into Jerusalem, and you remember he saw a fig tree. And he was hungry. He went over to it to get some fruit. It says there was no fruit on that tree. And so he cursed that tree. They had come back the next day. And as they passed the fig tree, P Peter was shocked. Lord, the fig tree that you cursed. Look, he saw that the tree was cursed from the root up. What happened? How could it be? Now, if he knew who he was with, he would have said, that's ah, no trouble for God. But see, Peter saw this and he was amazed. Now, some people say, well, what did he have against the fig tree? But to the Jewish nation, what did the fig tree represent to the Jew? They were actually told this in the prophets, in Micah 7, verse 1, and, and Hosea 9, verse 10, that he would come to Israel, his fig tree, and he would come to look for fruit upon them. Now, the Jews love types and shadows, they call them, those things that, those parables that teach about the kingdom of God. But God uses natural things of this earth as a representative, analogies. And here the fig tree is spoken to us in Hosea 9, verse 10. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your forefathers as the earliest fruit on a fig tree in its first season. But they came to Baal Peor, and they devoted themselves to shame, and they became as detestable as that which they loved. Now Baal, or Baal, some people pronounce it in English, is a false god, a deity of the peoples of the land, what they were to go in, and it said completely abolished. Do not adopt their ways. Do not adopt their worship, right? But what did Israel do when they came out of that Egyptian bondage led by Moses? They get into the promised land, and next thing you know, the neighbors are saying, well, we can't, we can't conquer these Israelites. Maybe we'll just send our girls over and invite them to a party and worship our gods. It's a free love thing. We're just having a little get-together and and so they corrupted Israel with doing this, and, and it caused a, a plague. God sent a plague against them. Twenty, I believe 24,000 died that day in Israel because they joined themselves to false gods. Now, you say, well, that's uptight. But what was the first commandment? I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God. And thou shall have no other gods before me. But they had made Baal, or Baal, it's pronounced in Hebrew, Baal, they're God. They joined themselves to false gods. God said, no, not fallen. For th this is wrong. And he says, I came to you. I came to find Israel like grapes in the wilderness. And he says, and I, I saw your forefathers as the earliest fruit on a fig tree in its first season. That's, you know, what we call the early season when the leaf is just coming and it's the first fruits on the tree. That's the time of year Jesus went at the Passover time to that tree expecting first fruit and there was none. He said, because there is none, cursed you shall be tree. To say God does not expect fruit from our lives is a real spiritual deception. I can't teach you that. It's not, it's not biblical. Now, in the book of Corinthians, we're told everything that happened to Israel happened to them for our example. So if God was looking for fruit from them, my question to you is, 
does God want any fruit from us? And what kind of fruit does he require? What is he looking for? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Let me show you something. This is Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 5 says, Now for this very reason also, he says, Apply all diligence in your faith and supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And your self-control, perseverance. And your perseverance, godliness. And your godliness, brotherly kindness. And your brotherly kindness, at Christian love. He said, for if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, they will they will render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities, he says, is blind or short sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, my brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain his calling and his choosing for you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Now, Peter, he has seen the church in all its function and dysfunction. He's come to a place. He's writing this epistle. This is about 66 AD. And he knows the Lord himself has revealed to Peter, Peter, your time on this earth is coming to a close. He will shortly thereafter be hung On a cross, when they go to crucify him, he'll petition the crucifiers that he said, I'm not even worthy to be, to depart this world the way my Lord did. And you remember what his request was? Crucify me upside down. And they were all the more willing to do so. But before he left, before he left, he said, I, even though I have to say it again, And again, and I have to remind you again, I will do it so that even after I'm gone, these words, they will ring in your ears. You will be able to call them to mind. Isn't it amazing how we can even remember the words what have been spoken to us by departed ones? Or maybe our grandmother, our grandfather used to say something to us. And you can not only recall the, the saying what they said to you, but you can even hear it right in their voice. Peter said, I'm going to do that for you in the things of the Lord. He says, you've got to add to your faith goodness. You've got to add to that goodness, knowledge to the knowledge you add, self-control to the self-control, perseverance to the perseverance. So you add that brotherly kindness to godliness to love, the heart. If these qualities are yours, And they are increasing. He says, you will never be blind. You will never be useless in the true knowledge of our Lord. You know, there's a lot of blind, useless Christians today. And you know why? Because they think, well, I got faith. That's good enough. Like, that's all I need. Look, as long as sign me up for that Jesus Christ mutual insurance, just get me in. And that's good enough. Like life insurance, only eternal. I got the life eternal policy. Just sign me up and I'll cash it in when I get there. I don't need him right now. I got lots of stuff to get done. That's not what Jesus is about. He's whole life policy. I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Not just a little. 
Not life after you die. You just work it out down here, and when you get done, uh, meet Peter at the gate, and we'll work it in. No. Peter says, God wants you to be not useless, not unfruitful. Now, seeing this in the context that Peter was there when Jesus cursed that fig tree, and Peter was a Jew, by the way, he understood the Jewish writings, the, the Old Testament references to the idea that Israel was the fig tree. And God was coming looking for fruit. And now he's about to die. And what does he talk about? Guys, God wants you to, to have fruit. He wants you to be fruitful. He doesn't want you useless. He doesn't want you without fruit. What was a branch what had no fruit good for according to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew when we were there, gathered up and tied to a bundle to be thrown into the fire. If you don't have fruit, you're just firewood. And in this analogy, you don't want to be firewood because the furnace is not a good place. The fire that we're talking about is spiritual, eternal fire. It's a place when we were kids, we were only allowed to say H-E double toothpicks. Jesus used this word. He said, that's what, that is where the ones what have no fruit, that's what they have that lies ahead. So God desires fruit from us. And how are you doing in these, in these arenas here? How's your perseverance? How's your self-control? How's your kindness, brotherly kindness? Are you, are you kind to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Is it, is it only on Sunday mornings? Or is it all week? Because he says, if you have these qualities... If they're yours and they are increasing, in other words, you're growing. You don't have to be arrived, guys. You can say, look, I just got a little bit of a little bit of this self-control. I got a lot more to go. That's fine. As long as you are increasing, you're growing. And Peter knew if you were growing, you're not gonna have a problem. The fruit is coming. It's when the when the tree stops growing that the branch dies. And becomes only good for firewood. And he didn't want those people that he labored to minister to, to go there. And he didn't want them to feel blind and useless in the gospel. He wanted them to be fruitful. He said, he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from former sins. You know, there's some Christians who need a wake-up call. They've forgotten that the Lord forgave them of all that sin. And they, now they take his grace and they use it for a cloak to go sin more. But he says, when these things are yours, Peter said in verse 11, in this way, for in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the way to the entrance is supplied abundantly. When you are growing, your faith is increasing. God is abundantly supplying the way for you to enter his kingdom. It is so reassuring. But we get sidetracked. We forget the Lord just came because he wants us to have life. And life more abundantly. An abundant life in the spirit requires growth. Just like that fig tree. Jesus just sped up the process to make a statement. Uh, uh, I call it like 
Okay, how much time did he have left on earth, by the way? You know, he rides into Jerusalem. What's going to happen next? They're going to grab him, nab him, beat him, crucify him. He's about to die. He's got limited time to teach these guys God wants fruit. So what's he do? Goes up to the tree, expecting fruit, no fruit. Curse you, fig tree, you have no fruit. Next day, Peter, whoa, look at the fig tree dead from the root up. What's that all about? You ever notice how the Lord sometimes does things in a way that just like shock you? What is that? And I bet he pondered that one for a while. But then he became a pastor of the early church. And he began, I'm sure, to observe that in different believers' lives, there was those that were growing and were fruitful. And, man, you could just see the fruit just increasing. And you could see God abundantly supplying the way of salvation to those believers because it just like the doors were opening over here. Over there, just It just happens. But the ones who don't want to grow. Pastor, I went to church. I got saved. I don't need to do that anymore. I'm just, that's good. I'm good. I say, you're blind. Not only are you blind, you're useless. In the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus, you've become useless. Because he did not set it up where he said it's good enough to just come to salvation, have faith, and then don't add anything to it. You need an NIV Bible so you can read, add to your faith goodness and add to your goodness knowledge and add to your knowledge self-control you need to know that this whole package deal is a thing what we have to continue adding to in order to really experience the whole all what christ has for you you got to grow there's nothing worse than a christian who's been in christ 30 years and has a spiritual maturity of an infant they're like a baby Give me the bottle. Ooh, that study, it was too meaty. I'm choking on that. You know, Paul said there were believers, He and he was very frank. I mean, he, he says, by now you ought to be teachers. Instead, you have need for someone to give you milk. It's a shame. You should have grown up by now. You know, an infant, you give him milk for a season. Then we wean the baby, and we replace the milk with solids, and Eventually, right, we, we're working. This is the whole process, what we're designed for, growth. But some Christians, I meet them. They're like, they are literally spiritual babes. But they've been 30 years going to church. I'm like, didn't anyone tell you you're supposed to grow? Didn't anyone tell you you're supposed to add to your faith? You're supposed to make some fruit? You know, Jesus said, that they will know that you are my disciples and that you have love for one another. You want to show your friends, Jesus, let God's love increase in you. And if you don't have it, ask him. Ask him to help add that fruit to you because that is so important. Without love, you know, you're going to come off as a judgmental, hypocritical, cranky Christian. And you're going to be telling people their life's screwed up, but they're going to be looking at you going, your life's screwed up. And it's going to be really hard for them to receive. But if you say, you know, I am so grateful for the love of God, how he loves me, and, he, and he's, he's not done with me because I'm a work in progress, and there's so much more to be added, but, but I'm so grateful for what he has been 
They can see, believe me, they can see when we grow, when we allow God to change, to transform us. Oh, that's just the rest of that verse. Be therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what the good and acceptable will of God is. What's God's will? What did Peter write? That none should perish. You want to prove to your friends that God doesn't want them to perish? Then let him transform you. Because your life being changed is a greater witness than any pages on a book. When they see you change, they go, there has to be a God. Look at Look at him. Look at the change. Look at the Look at what God has done. And believe me, that testimony, that that real life change in you proves to your friends, proves to those ones around you in this world that there is truly a living God that is transforming you. If you don't let him transform you, they say, why should I be a Christian? There's nothing different between me and you. You're just as filthy, just as spiritually raunchy, just as, because and you call yourself a Christian. And you know what's so funny? is the non-Christians know you're not supposed to be like that. They'll hit you with it. Well, why are you such a sinner? You know, you're supposed to be a Christian. Aren't Christians not supposed to do that stuff? What are you looking at pornography for? Why are you doing that? That's not a Christian thing to do. It's funny. The non-Christians know church. They just don't go. We have to live it. And if we don't, we're blind. We got blinders on. Spiritually, we're blind. It gives the Lord a bad rap. He doesn't want that. Peter's like, I got to remind you, even I know I'm going to die soon. I'm going to just do it again. So even after I'm gone, you'll hear it in my voice in your head. Don't be blind. Spiritually is not healthy for you. Now we come back to Mark. In Mark chapter 11, we come back and Peter is amazed. Lord, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. I can't believe it. Jesus, he just walks with him. He says, truly, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and you ask, he said, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted to you. I have to tell you honestly, this is one I say, Lord, help my faith. There's some things like I have great faith in and yet on other things, I don't know why this is, you know, why do we have faith to trust the Lord so much in one area, but we're like weak in another? We're good on this topic. Whoa, solid, man. And I know the Lord can do this. But I'm not sure about this area. I mean, he's only God. And how many things are possible? All things are possible. Well, Lord, I know you could probably save people from hell and damnation, but could you cast a demon out of my son? I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. You died for all our sins of the world, but not sure about handling demons. 
or not sure about handling sickness or handling our rent or handling the place what we're going to go to next or is it weird how we we compartmentalize we we believe god for certain things but other things were a little bit well i call it help my faith departments lord i need help in my faith and he says peter all things i say to you all things for which you pray and ask he said believe that they and that you have received them and they shall be great now i gotta tell you the truth i've asked some things and i'm like i don't really i'm not sure here i don't even know if i have but i'm gonna ask finally i came to the understanding god knows better than even what i ask and i don't even know his ways but see first john says if i pray anything and I ask according to whose will? His will. Then I know that he hears me and I know that I have the thing what I have asked. I just got to ask, Lord, if it be your will, but if it be not your will, you know what suits best. You know what lies ahead. You know everything. God, you are so good. And if I could hold on to that as I pray and I could learn to pray and just say, Lord, I ask, help my faith that I could believe in you. He says anything, Peter. Peter's in shock. The tree's dead. She's like, that's nothing. Have faith in God. Have faith in who? God. It was just, an, it was just something to turn Peter's attention heavenward. As many of the things what God will teach you in this life, trials that you will go through will all be to steer your eyes to God. He's just trying to get your eyes off of you and put them up to him. And when you get them on him and you put your faith on him, he says, I say to you all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted. For And whenever you stand praying, he said, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, make sure you forgive because he says, if you don't forgive, verse 26 says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your transgression. This isn't optional, okay? When you go to prayer, don't bring unforgiveness in with you. Just forgive and then pray. It's better. You, you will get much. Some people say, I don't get no answer to prayers. This Christianity thing is all messed up. And these people are all screwed up. That person did this to me. That person did that. And I'm never going to forget when they did that. And that one ran the well, I kind of have a clue why you don't get no answers. <laughs> he says you got to forgive when you pray. It's like pre-prayer preparation. You got to forgive first. Then go to prayer and ask. But if you won't forgive down here, it says he won't forgive up there. And that's a really important topic. Because that's the main topic why we all signed up in the first place, isn't it? So we could get our sins forgiven? Don't forget that. We're so busy getting our prayers answered how we want them. But we won't forgive like our, like our Heavenly Father has taught us by example to do. Forgive first. Guys, please. Forgiveness is so, so critical. So important for our faith, our walk, our growth. And if we could receive it, 
I believe God wants to do great miracles for us. He wants to do great things. But, but we walk in such unforgiveness in this society. If I can just remember the words of Jesus, they know not what they do. I pray that word would just free you today. That you can just remember. Sometimes they're going to do it and they didn't even know. They know not what they do. Even when they do it on purpose, they don't really realize the depth of what they're doing. Just let it go. So that your faith could increase. So that the prayers, what you're praying, they wouldn't be impeded by that unforgiveness. They would just be able to be laid before the Lord and you could receive whatever it is that you're asking. May all of our faith grow this day. Our unforgiveness would be, well, it would be let go. Like Christ forgave us. He forgave us everything, guys. Why are we holding unforgiveness? Let it go. Let's be free. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.